0: Welcome to the Bad for Business podcast, brought to you by the Founders Fund. The Bad for Business podcast uncovers the real unfiltered stories behind the success of unconventional, disruptive, and downright bad for business entrepreneurs. I'm your host and badass entrepreneur in charge, Vivian Kay. If you're interested in joining a community of bad for business women identifying founders who also get access to funding, mentorship, and education for your business, visit us at foundersfund.ca to become a member. Maggie Patterson is the editorial director and founder of Scoop Studios, a boutique content marketing agency with a singular promise to her clients to simplify their content marketing. Maggie is also the founder of Small Business Boss, which helps people build BS-free service businesses. And she's also the host of the BS-free service business podcast. Woo! Say that three times. (laughs) In our chat, we talked about how she went from working in a PR agency to branching out on her own and how she's setting Instagram on fire with her bold, truthful drags of the current landscape of the online coaching industry. Also, good news. Founders Fund is teaming up with Scoop Studios for a new fund at the end of November. For more details, join our newsletter at foundersfun.ca. Enjoy our chat. Hello, Maggie. How are you?
1: Fabulous. I'm super excited to be here with you because I know we are going to be incapable of staying on any Absolutely
0: not. We are not staying on topic.
1: (laughs) So, you know what? Let's just
0: start. Let's just start from the beginning Um, because I'm pretty sure you were a pretty interesting kid. So take us back to when you were a kid. What was life like? Your family structure, the cultural upbringing, your hometown. Tell me all about that.
1: So I'm born and bred in Ottawa. And, um, you know, I grew up very downtown in a very like kind of, I realize now it was very kind of a kooky environment. Like it was not my neighborhood growing up was very like a mixed bag of everything you could ever imagine so like for me imagining entrepreneurship started at a very young age because i was like oh my mom's you know my my best friend's mom's a consultant my dad's a a photographer oh this person's an artist and i was you know I'm so grateful for that now because I was exposed to so many different things so like when I got out in the real world I was like what it's not like my kooky neighborhood what are you talking about and I grew up in a very like what would look like from the outside a very normal family you know two parents all of that um it was definitely a challenging environment I'll say that and I mean I was a very messy kid as a result I was very uh I was just not like the good girl that I was supposed to be. I had a lot of emotional regulation issues and like I was, you know, I struggled in school. So I think, you know, that resulted in a lot of things for me just learning to be like, you know what, I'm going to do this my way, because that was the only way I was going to survive through some of that. So, and you know, the funny thing is now I work with my sister and she is such a great great insight into why I do things she's like oh I know why you're doing that Maggie and I think for a lot of people I grew up with and just people have known me along the way they're like I have no idea how you're like a productive member of society but I am so (laughs) wait is that is that supposed to be an insult or is that a compliment I think it's a bit of both I mean I remember very distinctly like a grade five teacher being like you're going nowhere like just like
0: you're."
1: And I mean, I was a bit of a mess, but I was also very bright in some ways. And I think, you know, as a mom, I look now and I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I was in school now, like it would be different. There would be like names for the problems I had. Right,
0: right, right. Hey, well, you know what? I think that's probably what makes you pretty badass at business. So you started off bad, meaning good, guys, meaning good. So what did you actually want to grow up to be?
1: So, you know, growing up, I was always a really great writer. So I wanted to be a writer. And then as I got a little older, I was like, oh, that's super impractical. I'm going to be a psychiatrist. So I obviously (laughs) had an interest in psychiatry. And then I realized, oh, Maggie, you're really, really like downright terrible at math and have some issues in this department. So I had to get super practical. So I went away to university. and was like, okay, I'm going to become a political correspondent. And then I realized I didn't have the constitution for journalism. So I ended up in PR school after that and just, you know, all the communications things because I'm like, well, I can write. That's something I'm really good at and I can talk. How can I make money doing that? Okay.
0: Okay. So... So tell me about that. So you you went from uh, you went from being a psychologist to wanting to be a politician or uh, sorry, a pol- political analyst. I don't even remember. Like a correspondent, one of those people who's like, hi, 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 from, from the, the devastation from the
1: here in Greece after the political unrest.
0: <laughs> okay, so you went from being a psychologist to a political correspondent and now you've landed in PR. So tell me about that PR journey.
1: that PR journey has been about 20 years in the making, but you know, I really came out of, I went to university. I was like, Oh, this degree means nothing. I went to two year college. I was like, Oh good. I'm actually going to get a job now because I have a lot of student loans and I need to eat food. So I went through that whole thing and came out the other side and I was like, okay, what's the absolute best job I can get? What's the job that's the most interesting, what's going to pay me the most money. And it was working in an agency and I will never forget this. As long as I live, my program coordinator in college was just like, you're not cut out for agency. and I was like, game on. She's like, you're not agency material. And I was like, just watch me. <laughs>
0: mm, we're very similar in that way where it's like, if someone tells you to not do that, you can't do something. Oh, bitch, watch out. I'm gonna do it. Oh, we can curse just so you're aware.
1: Oh, yeah. Like I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to go get a job, not at an agency. I'm going to get a job at like the most fast growing, fast paced agency. And oh, I showed her. I was there for five years and I like Mm. got promoted, I think, five times in five years. I told see. Ah, Take that.
0: Whatever your name was. (laughs) Okay. So, um, okay. So you worked in an agency for, so you've been, you know, doing PR for the last 20 years. So, um, I want you to tell me about the origins of the current company that you're running, because, um, you know, I want to know what led you to start your own business and why are you, um, calling, why are you, <laughs> I did. Yeah. She's like, if you go to her Instagram, uh, which is, uh, let's see, it is small business boss, you'll see that she is just, she is, she's like a a machine gun right now where she's like to the online coaching world. So like, okay. So tell me about the origins of your company.
1: Okay. So basically 15 years ago, I had a baby. I was in an account director role. I was like, I have a husband who works shift work. I commute over two hours a day. I travel all the time. Like I'm very pregnant. And the year I was pregnant, like my mother was going through all this, these health problems. Like my sister had the, had a baby and had the baby from hell. And I was just like, it was like that wake up call. And I was like, Ooh, work is important, but like, this isn't going to work. So I basically never, I packed my office when I went to mature leave. And I was like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I, and I literally packed it up and they were like, no, but, and then finally at the end of my mat leave, they were like, are you coming back? And I said, no, I like told you I'm not coming back. Like, let's make this official. And my husband and I sat down and we like, he was basically like, you have four months to replace your salary. So I was like, okay, it's on. And I did it in six weeks. Cause I was like, I'm going to go find all the clients. And you know, so many people, when they start a business They don't have business skills because of the job I had and the role I had, I had all the business skills. I was like, we can totally do this. So, you know, since then all these twists and turns, and now I run my own micro agency. And then I have my side project of small business boss, where that was really a response to so many of my peers being like, I don't understand how you're growing your business. I don't understand how you're able to do X or Y. Like, why are you making the money you're making why don't you seem stressed out by clients like how are you doing this and i was like okay i'm going to start mentoring other service business owners and that's really what Sir small business boss came out of and you know i've always had a very um strong viewpoint in the online world of like all the things i see wrong
0: wrong is really not the word for it <laughs> i think really it's more like i okay maybe strong we'll just we'll just go with strong
1: <laughs> um, I say the things that other people are afraid to say, like that's mm-hmm. really and truly mm-hmm. what it is. Because mm-hmm. I, ha- I, I mean, I realize this. I have the luxury of having another company, so that if I, if I, if I get canceled on the internet, it's fine. My bills are still getting paid because in the online industry, people are so scared. Like. I just wrote this 7,000 word essay, you know, hour long podcast episode. I did like 20 interviews for this. No one wants to go on the record. No one wants to talk about how bad things are behind the scenes because they're very fearful of the people with power, power. I'll use air quotes on that in this industry. And I'm just like, I've always blogged about this. I've always talked about it quietly and, you know, in the room on my podcast. And I was like, you know what? My Instagram, you now can become the, the, the vehicle for all of me, for me to say all of this, because there is so much broken. There's so much wrong. There's so much manipulation and so many good people are getting screwed over. And I'm just, I'm not here for it. And then, you know, I look at everything that happened in 2020 with the industry, how it responded to the pandemic, how it responded to black lives matter. And I was just like, you know what? No, no. I need to like bring as many people with me to say like, I don't even care if you ever buy anything from me. Cause I really, and truly don't, I only work with service business owners, but if I can save you from wasting your life savings on that coaching program, I'm going to do it.
0: Girl, it's part of the reason why I didn't even want to call myself a coach. Um, just because I would, wa- I saw what other people were doing. I'm like, these people actually don't know what they're talking about. They're just selling, they're selling a lifestyle and they're just doing really good marketing. But they actually don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And so then I was like, well, I don't want to call myself a coach because I don't want to get caught up in that in that world. And I can see how you can I can see how easily people get caught up, because even like when people are talking to me, they're like, oh, da, 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 like they put me up on a pedestal and it's like, girl, don't put me there. Uh, uh-uh, uh, Nope. We're, I'm going to sit right beside you. and We're going to do this hand in hand because I've been where you are and I know what to do to get you here because I've done it. Whereas a lot of these other people haven't actually done it. Their first business is the coaching business, right? So, you know what, give me an example of what's going wrong in this particular online industry. Cause I, you know, I would hate for our listeners and especially members of the founders fund. Like I don't want them getting caught up in this. So give me an example of what's wrong.
1: So I think a great example is all the manipulation that happens around sales. So um, everything and like persuasion, you know, I'm a writer by training and by like, that's what people pay me to do. So, I mean, I know how this all works. I see it day in, day out, but there's a very specific set of sales tactics that are used in the online industry to manipulate people, to pull on their emotions, to mess with their mindset so that they open their wallet. And it's things like the mindset fuckery of, you know, you must invest or you're going to fail. Like everything is about like, how do I get you to open your wallet and things like, I'm going to charge you $20,000 for this program. Let's not actually talk about the value. What they're doing is messing with scarcity and luxury pricing and short circuiting our brain. So I think, you know, as consumers, we have to look at, Hey, does this sound right? Has this person built trust with me? Hmm. Does their authority actually seem there? Because people lie on the internet all day long. Oh my gosh,
0: it's big circle jerks. That's what I find. It's like, they're all just sort of jerking each other. (laughs) And it's like, well, so-and-so says I'm great. So I must be great. You you have to see that I'm great because so-and-so says I'm great. And it's like, um, um, are you? no yeah okay so tell me some more because this is well you you have to go to her instagram because it's (laughs) you know what actually here's one question i've been meaning to ask you
1: yes why aren't you naming names oh i am naming names oh are you yeah i actually have a meeting with my lawyer about this this afternoon
0: (laughs) yeah because that's the reason yeah Yeah,
1: in my highlights um there's something i call hall of fame friday where i have done some very specific breakdowns of like here's what this person's doing on their sales page. And this is why I disagree with it. And the one thing I have to be very careful with is number one, it's always, it's my opinion. So like disclaimer on the disclaimer on this disclaimer, which is why I have to meet with my lawyer. And then the other part of it is um, I'm not attacking someone's character. I'm attacking their business practices. Whether they're a nice person or not, I don't really know them, but we need to be able to say, Oh, this tactic, because here's the thing in all of this, if we never talk about it, it just gets perpetuated. And then more people are being sucked in. What concerns me the most is there's entrepreneurship is more popular than ever. Freelancing is up by a lot thanks to COVID. There is like fresh baby entrepreneurs who are going to get screwed. And as someone who mentors people and has to deprogram people, has to unravel all this, I don't, I want I don't want to see any more of this. I mean, can I save everyone? No. But can I save a few people along the way? Absolutely.
0: So I could call you Captain Save Entrepreneur <laughs> and freelancer.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for that. Because, you know, I I know I I know it can be very um, it's a hard thing to do because, you know, you've built up, especially if you've been doing, if you've been in the business for 20 years. Um you know, it can be hard to sort of put your reputation on the line in order to call people out. Because I did that earlier this year um, during the Black Lives Matter movement with a bunch of these, um, these coaches who were shouting about, you know, empowerment for everyone. Um, but then when the Black Lives Matter movement came about, they decided that they were only going to empower those that looked like them. Um, and not actually take a stand because they didn't want to be political. And it's like, this isn't about being political. This is about being a human being and and showing empathy for a group of people who, uh, you know, you've been using in order to sell your products. Like, so I had a problem with the girls who were, or for with the coaches that were using um, Black vernacular, like all the, yes, girl, you go queen and da, 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 da. But they didn't have that culture represented on their stages or on their sales pages or in their feed, but they were using it in order to, um, in order to gain followers and in order to sell their products, but they weren't willing to give us a piece of that pie. Right. Um, so I called some people out and for that people were like, I, I would like, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I knew it, I felt funny about it, but I didn't want to say anything. Well, this it's your responsibility to say something. If somebody's doing something that they should not be doing, say something. If they're doing something that's hurting people, say something. If, you, if their business practices are unethical, say something. Because I think as a human being or even as an entrepreneur, it is your responsibility to help the next person or the next group of entrepreneurs, generation of entrepreneurs coming up. Because there are they are
1: being very deceitful in what they're selling. I can't agree um, more. And I think that's actually how I find, found you, Gwen, my friend Gwen. Uh, that we don't know. She shared, I was like, how do I not know this Vivian woman? I'm like, she's my new best friend on the internet. Because here's the thing is, it's exactly what you said. And as a white woman in this industry, like I can 100% see it. I can 100% co-sign in terms of everything you're saying. And I know it's, it's been happening. Like it is so exclusive. The amount of privilege that goes with all the mindset and the, even this like one, you need to invest. There is a bias there that assumes that people have access to that money. Just open another credit card, borrow it from your parents, take it from your mortgage. I'm like, what that's, are you on? Like <laughs> that's what dimension are you right in there. that you think people have these trust funds to pull from or a rich husband? Like that's not how the majority of entrepreneurs are Most people are like, how can I improve my life? And I don't have an RRSP to liquidate nor should you. So, oh, makes me so angry (laughs) at the same
0: time (laughs) you you. (laughs) yeah yeah I can't
1: even
0: yeah there's a lot of people angry but um so so Maggie how do you think we can make it better how do you think the online like what what is the responsibility of the online coaching world in order for people to um, in order for entrepreneurs and freelancers to grow as you know, as a business or as a business owner or as a person, what do you think the online coaching world is responsible for, or how can they do that?
1: So I think number one, as business owners, especially those of us that are more established, we need to basically unfuck our marketing and sales practices because here's the thing: in this, I talk to people all the time; they think they're ethical, they're not. They're doing the same shady gross tactics they're literally like sleeping with the enemy and I'm like do you not see this and like there is and mark my words Vivian there is going to be an entire rise of people who are like look at me I'm so ethical and then you're going to take like one swipe and be like Huh? First of all, if you have to say that you're ethical, that's like people who say I'm
0: authentic. You don't if you're authentic, you don't need to say it. If you're ethical, you don't need to say you're ethical. It's going to be shown in your actions and in your words and in your movements.
1: It's going to be obvious. You don't need to tell everybody that. Exactly. So, I mean, there's, you know, how do we as business owners ensure that we are like rooting these practices out of your business? And like I have a very extensive essay over on smallbusinessboss.co talking about this like 7,000 words worth, buckle up talking about all these practices because we need to better educate ourselves. And then as consumers, we need to be able to be able to spot this in the wild, to be able to say, huh, that doesn't seem right. Or to take the time to not be triggered in the moment because there's like countdown timers saying you must buy the thing, like to make, be better stewards of our money and really make sure that there's that truth and trust and transparency with the people that we actually invest the money in. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it doing because like, you know what? I've been following Viv for a while. You know, she's an expert on Shopify. I've been following Maggie. She knows her shit when it comes to service businesses, like being very intentional about who you work with. And then the last thing is if you are a service provider and you work with clients, I feel like you have a duty, like you have a duty to call your clients out on this and to help them root it out of their business. And I had, or I hosted a retreat this week, we talked extensively about this, because they're all service providers. And like, I see my clients do this. And I'm like, you need to call them on that. You need to educate them on alternatives. And you need to be willing to walk away.
0: Oh, we could talk all day about this, this whole industry, because it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I think COVID is really pushed it to the forefront because now people have nothing now they're you know acting on their um, their dreams of becoming an entrepreneur or a freelancer um, and then more and more people are all of a sudden experts on how to do whatever it is that they're you know trying to sell you to do but I am guilty of having a countdown timer Uh, but that's from my you know that's from my e-commerce you know that's that's my e-commerce mind knowing that you know that sense of urgency moves people to act right so um, here's the thing
1: is the tactics themselves are neutral. It's how we deploy the tactics. Ah. You can't look at a countdown timer and go, all countdown timers are evil. It's the context in which the countdown timer is used and what is the attention. And if anyone wants to look more into this, there's something called ethical persuasion. It's called the tears test and it runs through this. So it's a really great checklist for marketing and sales practice to say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I should back off on this tactic or I should, um, you know, I should use this a little more. Like one of the easiest ones to fix for most of us is storytelling. Tell stories that aren't designed to traumatize or be dramatic. Like so many times people are sharing their trauma stories and it's very hard for the audience and it messes with their mind. It's not good.
0: Give me an example of a trauma story.
1: So this is actually one a friend shared with me and I think it's we all have big stories. We all have things from our past, but so many times things are shared in a way that there's no care for our audience. So um, a great example is I had a friend, she's at a conference, a woman gets up and she starts talking about her abuse story. There's no trigger warning and there's no plan for what happens to people when they're triggered after the fact. So this friend of mine, she's a therapist, she's out in the hallway consoling people. And so many times we don't think about the impact of our audience. We're thinking about how can I make an emotional connection? We're going to make an emotional connection. We need to be really responsible about how we do that. And I think one big thing is like, just thinking about what's the intention behind the story is the intention to be like, Hey, I get it. I've been there with you. Like, here's what I did, like really being thoughtful and real about it. Or are you doing it for a dramatic impact?
0: Mm, I would, I would, I would hedge a bet and be like, most people do it for dramatic impact, right? Bingo. Um, yeah. Wow. I never thought about it that way. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. You're giving me something to think about. <laughs> All right. Actually, can you, can you just mention the name of that, um, the checklist for the sales and marketing?
1: Yeah. It's the terrorist test. And it's for ethical persuasion. Wait, spell so, that
0: because it sounds like terrorist. Terrorist.
1: <laughs> T-A-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-I-S R E S. And it just basically like goes through all these things. And I think for anyone, once you kind of read it and internalize it, like I keep it printed out. So if I'm not sure, I'm like, let's run that by the tears test and just see what's happening. And it's like an academic rigorous thing. So it's not something some person on the internet made up in their spare time.
0: Right, right, right. Wow. Okay. Ooh, well, we talked, a, we've talked about a lot. So let's, let's get back. <laughs> let's get back to you and being, you know, the entrepreneur that you are. Um, so what kind of resources of support do you think are are useful for you um, when you're a mess? Like I know, you know we, and the entrepreneurship can be really messy. So what sort of resources of support do you lean on for that?
1: So as much as I have issues with the coaching world, I think having a coach or a mentor that's not a million zillion dollars to work with, that you can trust, that can literally be that hotline for when you're having the inevitable, I'm going to burn this down day. Or sometimes I'm like, I call it, I'm going to go to work at Tim Horton's day. And it's not- that I, I call it the, I'm going to find a sugar daddy day. <laughs> because here's the thing there's nothing wrong with working at Tim Hortons but that's not really my plan right like I have these fantasies about like oh I'm just gonna go and bake all the buns and it's like I'd be miserable baking the buns so maybe I need someone to talk to you about this that's because, a great
0: fantasy though sometimes
1: well I mean if they'd give me all I can eat donuts oh I, I don't <laughs> I mean why not I think, you know, having someone that can, who's been there, done that and help you navigate those experiences. And that can be in group setting with something like Founders Fund, or it can be in that one-on-one. But I know for me, like, I don't call myself a coach. I'm a mentor. And like, I get sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this or that. Like, I've literally been through these people through babies and divorces and you name it, like deaths of loved ones. Like we've done all these things together. And like, we're personally very invested in like their business and their success as a human.
0: Wow. That's, um, that's great. That's, it's good. It's always good to have that sort of support system, um, in place. So here's, here's something I need to ask you. What's the best piece of advice and the worst piece of advice you have received like business or otherwise I just want I, I feel like you have some in your in your purse
1: <laughs> so one of the um I think worst pieces of advice I ever got was from my mom who is like you need to be more girly I get the same advice from my
0: mom you don't have husband because you don't cook and you don't I'm like but I make money
1: I I mean he can I can hire
0: a cook but wow. Okay. It, you know what? Tell me more about that.
1: I think for my mother, like I was, you know, I would, you would never use these terms now, but in seventies, eighties terms, I was very much a tomboy as most of my friends were boys. I don't, I did not at the time have a lot of time for girl drama. You know, I was messy. My hair was never brushed. And then as I got into puberty, she's like, no boy is ever going to like you. And I was like, whatever, take it or leave it. And Bye. I've been married for 20 years now. So she can, not that that's the measure of it, but I was just like, yeah, wrong. He likes it when I wear a baseball hat. (laughs) Mm.
0: There's There's a pot for every lid or a lid for every pot. There we go.
1: I believe that 100%. Yes. So what's the best
0: piece of advice you've ever gotten?
1: Oh my gosh. So I always think of one of my very early mentors who was my boss. And he was just like, listen, we were a very small, scrappy, upstart company is like, we're not going to win on being the flashiest or the whatever. He's like, just show up and do your thing. Do you. And that will work. And you know what? That works. It still works this day. Like if I feel myself getting misaligned, I'm like, okay, well, what would Maggie really say? Like what would not fancy Maggie or rich Maggie or famous Maggie? Like what would Maggie say? Like messy top, top knot drinking a beer on the weekends Maggie have to say about that always has she always has the best advice (laughs) okay
0: so um okay so here's another one 2020 was a craptastic year well for the most part so what has what have you actually learned from this whole pandemic COVID situation
1: Oh, so, so very much. I think, you know, there's two kind of things that stand out to me. Number one is when push comes to shove, when shit hits the fan, people are going to show you who they are. Take notes because there's been many moments of truth along the way in 2020. And I think with the U.S. election, we're about to have another one potentially, regardless of the outcome. And believe it, like, like the quote from Dr. Angelou, like, When people show you, believe them because we always have excuses about why it's not there. And I'm like, it is literally like flashing in your face saying, I'm a problem, believe it. And be okay with having the conversations you need to have or calling them out or whatever it is. Like we all have influence in our own way. So how can we use that influence? Whether it's talking to your mother or calling someone out on the internet. There's a lot. And then the other thing is too, I think, you know, when we started with COVID back in March, everyone's like, oh, we're all doomed. Like, you know, we are, we are screwed. And I look at my mentoring clients. I look at my own business. Like there is a resilience in entrepreneurship. There is a, you know, that plucky can do spirit that mm-hmm. got people through, through. And I have, I'm having one of my best years in the business. I know many people are having one of their best years and it's not because they got any magical powers. It's because that they had that belief and that pluckiness to say like, all right, this sucks. This was not in the plan, but like, how can I adjust the plan and how can I figure this out and save the day?
0: Right. I'm almost saying focus on the goal, not the plan because huh, make a plan and see how, see how the universe laughs at you, <laughs> throws COVID at you. Um, so what's the next big thing for your business, Maggie?
1: So, you know, that's always a good question. (laughs) What do I plan for 2021? Um, But I think for Small Business Boss and both the agency, like there's some internal initiatives we are really focused on based on things we've learned this year. So things like our giving strategy, like we've always tried to be very intentional with giving away a portion of our profits, formalizing that, having be like, hey, these are the organizations I support. How can we pull people up with us? through entrepreneurship, through other things we're doing. And then the second thing is too, as part of that, um, I'm really looking at, you know, if I'm having a really great year and the business is performing well, how do I reward the team that I have put in place? How do we share that? And how do we continue to share that so that, you know, it's not just about the business, like making me more money. How is it how's everyone winning in this ecosystem and how are we kind of deconstructing some of the bad things I don't like about how we work economically in the real world?
0: Okay. Okay. Sounds like you got a lot, uh, you know, you got a lot coming up and I I'm very excited to see it. So here's the final question and I, I cannot wait to hear your answer. Maggie, what makes you bad for business?
1: I am bad for business because I have always been underestimated and I think this is the story of many entrepreneurs and just take that being underestimated, that grade five teacher who says you're not going to amount to anything, that person who says your business isn't going to make it and use it as fuel and those days it's not good, be like, nope, I'm going to get back up, I'm going to show them because we as women so many times get underestimated and we all bring different things to the table and we need to be like, yeah, there's room for me. Here I come.
0: Mm, You know, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Well, thank you so, so very much, Maggie, for this chat. I'm sure you've inspired many people who are listening.
1: Thank you so much, Viv.
0: This has been another episode of your favorite unconventional and unfiltered business podcast, Bad for Business. I'll see you again next week where I'll be finding out the real stories behind the success of another Bad for Business entrepreneur. Be sure to connect with the Founders Fund community at foundersfund.ca.